Tyson, I mean, pleasure to sit down with you in fight week. Las Vegas is becoming a bit of a home for you, isn't it? Is that the way it feels? What's your name and where would you come from? Exactly. Ben Ransom, Sky Sports News. Oh, lovely to see you, Ben. Yeah, well, Las Vegas has been a um, great place for me over the last year or so. Uh, I've had my last two fights here. Tom Schwartz, Otto Wallen, and I'm fighting Deontay Wilder back here for the third time in a row. Absolutely ecstatic. Um, I know there's going to be thousands and thousands of British coming over and people from all over the world, Australians and Irish and everybody else uh, coming to support me. So I want to, first of all, thank everybody who's travelling or paying for the pay-per-view at home. Um, Hard-earned money spent. Um, I aim to put on a good show. I aim to entertain. I aim to give the people value for money. That's for sure. I mean, it's the town of entertainment, isn't it? In many respects, it's the perfect venue for this fight. It's the capital of sports entertainment. It's the capital of any entertainment. And we're fighting at the iconic MGM Grand Arena, where all the massive fights have been before me. It's been my second time fighting there. Um, it's, it's really a fairy tale dream. It's like an Indian summer for sure. Um, coming back from where I was only a few years ago, we all knew where the Egyptian King was. And then to come back and to be headlining in Las Vegas for the third time in a row. Can't beat that. I know you're a boxing historian. You love the history of the sport. This place has probably more history state, than any other. State. What, um, what's your favourite Vegas fight? Do you know, I like the uh, Bo Holyfield fight mm -hmm. at the Thomas and Mack Centre when the fan man came in. That was a <laughs> bit of a crack. That was good. That was good. Have you got one planned for the weekend, a fan man? Um, are you available? <laughs> well, maybe. Fixed? Again, it's all about money. Money talks. For sure. Um, but since you fight it, that first fight when you did that ring walk, do you remember how it felt walking out at a Vegas venue for the first time? It felt iconic. It felt absolutely fantastic. You know, I owned this town when I come here. When the Gypsy King comes to Las Vegas, we take over. You know, every bar's full, every nightclub's chocker, everybody's smashed. It's, uh, we take over. You know, the first time we came here, we had the biggest after party ever, ever existed in Hakkasan over the road there. <laughs> um, 4,700 people inside of it. It was way over the limit, but uh, it was all fun and games. You know, it's very, very, very good when I come here and box here. And we give many people an opportunity to come to Las Vegas who wouldn't usually come, but they've got a good excuse to get away with the lads, come to Las Vegas, Sin City, or bring your missus or whoever you're going with um, to come out over and have a look and see what the crack is. Before you can party, there is the small matter of the fight itself, Deontay yeah. Wilder. Um, You've said in the build-up that he can he can take a shot. You've seen that in the past. You've yeah. said that um, he has got a good chin. He's got an underrated jab. How do you get around that and do what you say you're going to do and knock him out? I'm going to box his face off, mm -hmm. for sure. Give him a boxing lesson. And I'm going to walk him onto a big right-left up. See you in a bit. Left-right, good night. Did you not do that in the first fight? Yeah, I did. But I didn't walk him onto any big punches, so to say. So is that where you've really been targeting strength, power? Yeah, I've been targeting big swinging hooks, head and body. And uh, yeah, he's an easy target to it. So yeah, I just have to land on him and it's over, for sure. He seems to like a war, doesn't he? Do you get, you know, do you, does any part of you think... I don't he, think he's ever been involved in a war, not once. Maybe the Ortiz fight, there was a fair, he took a fair few shots, he was he took, Which one, the first one? First one, yeah. It wasn't really a war, it was Deontay Wilder getting battered for, for a yeah. full round in round five. But yeah, a war is when two men are punched. Toe to toe, bam, 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 bam. He's never been involved in a dogfight, Wilder, not once. He's always just been either outboxed continuously and then pulled a big shot out of the bag and knocked someone out, or he's, he's won quite comfortable by knocking him out. But I don't believe he's ever been involved in a proper war. Let's, let's say this is going to be a proper trench warfare and it'll test us. And who's got the biggest heart and who wants it more? That's what I say. There's no doubt that you're in better shape now than you were for the first fight. Actually, I was in great shape for the first yeah. fight. Well, you've said it yourself, though. You said you, you feel you didn't have enough gas to finish not, the not first fight. Not just that. I'm not going to say I was in, in terrible shape. I was in fantastic shape. But the thing, the first fight was, I was out the ring for, for three years, abusing my body. And then I only came back within six months, I was fighting Deontay Wilder for the Championship of the World. This time, it's not the case. This time, I've been back since June 2018 to now, end of February 2020, 18. 19, 20, it'll be nearly two years in June. It'll be two years in June. So yeah, I've had all that time to prepare and to get my energy back and to put my strength back in, lost all the weight, had all the fights, match fit, been in there with championship 12 round fights. So yeah, I'm ready to go now, really ready.
is the Tyson Fury sitting here today, do you feel better and better prepared than you did going into the Klitschko fight? Yeah, for sure. What people don't know is going into the Klitschko fight, I lost six stone and then fought Klitschko. Pretty silly move, to be fair. Or not. <laughs> Very silly, actually. <laughs> you imagine how good I could have been if I would have started the camp in shape. Um, it makes me sick, really, to, to, to think about all the over the past and could have ended my career terribly. You know, when I went into training camp for Klitschko, I was 24 stone 10 and I got down to 18 stone 3. What's that? How many much weight is that? I'm rubbish at maths. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. Mm. So that's, what's that? What's 10 take away 3? 7. Yeah. So that's 6 stone 7 pound off. Yeah. And then fought the longest reigning champion in history, second longest, and still beat him. So when you're doing stuff like that, you're obviously a special talent, aren't you? Mm. And you don't realise it yourself until I say it. And then I think, you know what? What was that? I lost six stone and seven pound mm. before I fought Klitschko. How is that even possible? And then go beat a man who's always in shape. Pretty, pretty awesome, right? Yeah. For sure. I get the sense then that that is the biggest regret so far. You haven't capitalised on your natural talent. Is that Never. Fair? You know, all my career, I've messed it up. Uh, probably shouldn't have got as far as I have really because I never had any dedication for years. I would train hard in camps and as soon as I got out of camp, go wild. Like I was somebody, like, like I was a man released from prison going nuts on the outside, never had chocolate, never had Diet Coke, never had anything. And I'd put a ton of weight on after every single fight, minimum four stone. And then I'd, I'd get a fight date again and then I'd have to go and take it all off again and start again. And all my, all my fight camps would be weight loss camps. Even to the biggest fights ever, they were all weight loss camps. So it was terrible, really. So where does this path lead now, the path you're on? The path I'm on, since June 2018, I haven't ballooned at all. I've kept a maintained weight level. Um, I've always stayed around the 18, 19 stone barrier. Um, and I've, I've been training ever since. And I haven't looked back. My biggest regret in life is not living like this in the beginning of my career because I couldn't go any farther than I did anyway. So it makes it all look like a anyway, doesn't it? <laughs> Living healthy and staying in shape and all that. I did it without any of that. You know, so yeah, it just shows you, doesn't it? Maybe if I would have done it the right way, I would have made it easier for myself. But, you know, all things happen for a reason. And this, this, for this, this camp now, this fight, I've had, I've had five camps back to back. I've had Sefer, Pianetta, Wilder, Walling, Swartz. This is my sixth camp in a row. I've never been this active in my whole career apart from in 2009 when I started my career fighting bums. So now I'm at this championship level fighting regularly, coming off six training camps back to back. No ballooning, no weight up and down, maintained, mentally stable, not doing stupid things. So yeah, it's been, it's been a good last few years, I'd say. It's been the best two years of my life of my career for sure and I really have took it all in as a professional athlete for the first time in my life I can call myself a professional athlete and when I beat Klitschko in the rematch in the press conference I said do not call me an athlete because I'm not one and I pulled my shirt up and I showed him me my big belly it was a disgrace to call me an athlete then but now you can call me a dedicated athlete for the last two years the heavyweight division, it feels like it's the division again. We feel like we're in a historic era. There's it, Bob Arum's upstairs telling me about the great fights between Ali and Frazier and yeah. Foreman. Do you feel that as well? Do you feel like you're in a really great era? Yeah, I believe the heavyweight division is the, the best division in, in boxing right now. There's no divisions that can compete. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many good fights out there to have. Um, and there's so many entertaining fights that people want to see. Um, so now is a good time to be an heavyweight. But, you know, you've got the two best heavyweights in the world fighting each other. Um, nothing more you can say about that, really. Like, there's no other standout names in boxing in any other weight, you know, other than heavyweights. Like, you've got the Mayweathers are all gone, all them guys. You've got some lightweights and things like that, but they don't really draw that much attention in global, global news. But when the two heavyweights get together, the two, all the big guys, when they get it on, it sends massive shockwaves around the world and everyone gets involved. And I've never seen a fight buzz like this for a long, long time. This is going nuts over here with the Wilder Fury too. And I'm so happy that we could come to agreement and make the fight. 
and uh, I hope Wilder don't sh** and uh, comes and puts a good show on and gives me a good tough fight because I've been searching for 12 years to find someone to beat me and if Wilder's the man then God bless him that's for sure but I don't think he is I'm sure you're aware you've had support from Anthony Joshua Eddie Hearn they think that if you win there's much more chance of a unification fight is that the way you see it? No I don't unfortunately womp 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 I've got another fight with Wilder. Mm -hmm. I got a trilogy with old uh, Deontay Wilder. And uh, then we'll see where that goes. And then who knows? May have a fourth and fifth fight. <laughs> do you think if he loses, though, because it's on the loser, isn't it, to decide whether they go ahead yeah. with that trilogy fight? Do you think if he loses, he'll want that third fight? I think the money's too big not to have it. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is a prize fighting game. So, you know, the, the money's, there's too much money in the pot for him not to want the uh, rematch, even if he loses. And what about you? Would you take the rematch even if you lose? I don't lose, so I'll be having a rematch either way. <laughs> Very good All answer. I do is win, 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 no matter what. <laughs> that is the perfect... Unless I get a draw. That's the perfect answer, Tyson. I'll leave it there. You're a legend. Well, Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Bob, there's no better man for me to talk about with... Bob, there's no better man for me to talk about with either the mystique of the heavyweight or even the mystique of the unbeaten heavyweights, or the mystique of the heavyweight division than with you. In your lifetime, you really have seen, as a boy, as a man, as a promoter, as a businessman, you've seen the evolution of great African-Americans, the heavyweight champion of the world, um, the greatest, be heavyweight champion of the world, uh, well, the, the emancipation of the African-American, the rise and fall of white, Italian, Polish, all these heavyweights in America. Um, there is definitely a mystique within sports, within society, in the history of the heavyweight who has ruled the world. Am I wrong? Well, obviously, the guy who's the heavyweight champion and is recognized as the best heavyweight in the world is the guy that can walk into a bar and say, I can beat anybody in the bar. Now, great fighters who are lighter weight fighters, like Lomachenko or Crawford or Canelo, if they walked into a bar and they say, I can lick anybody in the bar, some giant guy would say, well, take me on. And, and they wouldn't be able to. So everybody recognizes the winner of this fight as the baddest man on the planet. That, that epithet, the baddest man on the planet, has obviously been coined. Mike Tyson was the baddest man on the planet. Lennox Lewis became the baddest man on the planet. But when you have two heavyweights who are undefeated, obviously Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder were undefeated 14 months ago, but it didn't have the enormity that it has now. It went under the radar more, didn't it? Nobody knew who Tyson Fury was. Let's be honest about it. When he fought Deontay Wilder, he was largely an unknown. Yeah, the boxing people knew because he had beaten Klitschko and all of that. But the public didn't know who he was. They didn't mm. know what a personality You mean the mainstream? The mainstream. Mm. It didn't go into the mainstream. Now look what you have. You have the two biggest television platforms, particularly for sports, mm. ESPN and Fox, competing with each other, who can do the most to publicize the fight. I've never seen anything like this in my life. Really? In never, all the time, really in your life, in genuinely? Life, wow. All the time I've been promoting the sport of boxing, mm. I have never seen on a Super Bowl, right, which even a mention of a fight and certainly not a commercial relating to the fight. In this Super Bowl, there were two 30-second commercials on the fight. You know what that is? A 30-second commercial on the Super Bowl sells for $5.6 million. Multiplied by two, it's over $11 million of commercial support they gave us 
just on that program. Mm. That is unbelievable. People have to understand what's happening here. Mm. This is not a normal situation. You will see, starting Wednesday, the teams, different teams from ESPN and Fox, all their program are originating here in Las Vegas. <clears throat> this is something extraordinary that I haven't seen in my lifetime. Not, not with Ali then, not with Muhammad yeah, Ali, well, not a, with... It was a different time. Mm, mm, mm. We didn't have the technology. Mm. We didn't have what we have now. You can't compare it. Can you compare Tyson Fury to Muhammad Ali in some well, ways? Well, look at the comparison I make. This, to me, is the biggest heavyweight championship fight since Ali and Fraser fought the first time. And look at the similarities. Since the fight of the century in 71, yeah? Right. Mm. Now, you had Ali, who was claimed to be the linear champion. He had been the heavyweight champion. They had stripped him of his title when he couldn't fight for three and a half years. Mm. And he was undefeated. And in this, still in his prime. You had Joe Fraser who became the heavyweight champion in Ali's absence, mm -hmm. and people resented that, also undefeated and in his prime, fighting each other. Now, what does that remind you of what's happening here this week? Tyson Fury playing the role of Muhammad Ali, stripped of his title for inactivity. I'm not saying it was wrong, but did still a linear champion, undefeated, against Wilder, the WBC mm. champion, who knocks everybody out, virtually everybody out, tremendous puncher, also in his prime, undefeated. They each have only one blemish on their record, and that's a draw, but it was against each other. I mean, this is Ali Fraser almost 50 years later. Does it have the same resonance in style matchup as well have we got i suppose we do we have a boxer against a puncher don't we start yes because yeah. because because frazier was about the left hook wasn't he it was about the left hook he's going to get you with the left hook what was ali going to do he was going to dance he was going to box he was going to move yeah it's 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 fury wilder again isn't well, it that's right there's a lot of similarities mm. between the two mm. a lot of similarities mm. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to a, a great, epic night. When, when Tyson, and I was just challenging him downstairs at your offices on this, these amazing offices that are such a peon to history, photos of you with Ali, with Manny Pacquiao, with Foreman, Foreman with marvellous Marvin Hagner, the vaults downstairs where you've got, it's amazing, you've got those glass windows and all the video vaults downstairs yes. with Duran playing and Julio Cesar Chavez and... I mean, God, you promoted them all. You promoted Mayweather, you right. promoted Oscar, you promoted all these guys, let's be honest. Um, you are the book. You are the book. And, and it's a great privilege to be here. Um, when you look at the fight on Saturday night, I'm consistently challenging Tyson. When he says, no, I'm going to stop him, I'm going to knock him out. If he is outboxing him round after round, why does he Mistake. need to? Mistake. Mistake. Don't. Let him, let Wilder hang around. You've got to do damage to him. You can outbox him for 11 and a half rounds and he can hit you on the chin and knock you cold. You don't take that chance. Now, how do you deal with that? You fight him and beat him up. You box, but you fight him and beat him up so that he doesn't have either the energy or the physical strength to, to throw that right hand. That's the way you prevent from getting knocked out. You also, you know, I mean, so you do exhaust him in that way. You, exactly, you, 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 you got to. With a big puncher, that's what you do. You mm, exhaust him. Mm, and that's what Fury is going to do. So by round seven, ideally in your mind, he's six up. Maybe there's one drawn, but he's taken a lot out of Wilder by then. That's the point. Mm. If he's taken it out of Wilder, mm. Wilder will get desperate and Fury will knock him out. Hand on heart, do you think there will be a trilogy fight? Well, it's not what I think. It's all signed. Mm. There is a trilogy fight. It's 60-40 to the winner of this fight gets 
loser gets 40%, and there's a proviso that the loser can pull the plug. Right, right. That's it, man. Mm. Got nothing to do with Bob Aaron. Mm, mm. What would you like to do with Tyson then? Would you prefer that he went on to fight a Joshua afterwards or I, I would I would I would like him to go on and fight a Pulev because Joshua won't, don't laugh I'm not, not, no, I'm not laughing at you no I'm laughing at your promotional nous hey, nothing more jo- Josh, <laughs> Joshua is not an elite heavyweight Anybody that gets beat by Andy Ruiz is not an elite heavyweight. Listen to me. Andy Ruiz is at best a better than average heavyweight. At best. He's nowhere near elite. If any fighter that got knocked out by Andy Ruiz, and I'll show you 38 Andy Ruiz fight where he couldn't knock out dishwashers. Anybody who got knocked out by Andy Ruiz is not an elite fighter. I don't look at Joshua as an elite fighter. I look at Tyson Fury as elite. I look at Deontay Wilder as elite. Not Joshua. Not after the Ruiz fight. But there's a lot of money to be made in that fight, isn't there? Money is Between secondary. Fury and Joshua. Money is secondary. Okay. Again, you know, the question then is, if that fight ever happened, where should it happen? And I would, Your view? Well, I would say, I would say it has to happen number one in the UK, or two in the United States, and it would be an abortion, and a uh, really, uh, 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 really a, a slap in the face to fans in either country if you took a fight like that and you moved it to Saudi Arabia, mm. no matter what money they were putting mm. up. And I got nothing to do with politics. Um, how interesting and how fascinating and how easy is it to be the promoter of a fighter like and, and a character and a personality like Tyson Fury? It's just as easy as it was to be Muhammad Ali's promoter because you just have to tell a guy like Tyson Fury just the way I would do with Ali. Please be at this place or that place at a given time, mm. and they would show up, and I would never tell them what to say or how to act. They knew instinctively better than I did how to handle themselves. Mm. So yeah, it's a pleasure. I don't have to write scripts like you do for some of the fighters, write storylines for them. Tyson Fury is his own man, and what comes out of his mouth is unique Tyson Fury. Well, um, one of your staff, or a couple of your staff, has said to me, obviously you're 88 years young, I think I'm right in saying that, yeah? Saying, this whole thing has got Bob buzzed again. Is that true? Absolutely. I mean, I remember when I first met Tyson Fury, he said... Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury 2, keys to victory. Well, the keys to victory for Tyson Fury in this fight are very straightforward and simple, actually. He needs to just replicate what he did in the first fight. Just be faster and sharper with it. So he needs to move his feet. Don't stand still for too long. Move his upper body. Throw plenty of feints. Because feints are designed to confuse and mislead the opponent. A lot of openings are generated by using feints. And Fury was able to land his right hand several times in the first fight by utilizing that double and triple feint before he let the shot go. He also needs to use his jab, stay away from the ropes because Deontay Wilder finds it easier to find his range when his opponents are on the ropes or near the ropes. And also just keep Deontay Wilder turning because that keeps him off balance. Because balance, of course, is key to generating punching power. If you can keep Deontay Wilder off balance, you can reduce his power, you can reduce his accuracy, and you may even be able to reduce his punch output. Because when a guy is constantly missing and being countered, he can start becoming hesitant. Wilder doesn't deal well with lateral movement. Fury also needs to remain side on. Keep that left shoulder pointing at Deontay Wilder because when Tyson Fury squares up, 
it makes it easier for Wilder to hit him. In fact, both knockdowns in the first fight occurred when Fury was slightly more square than he should have been. So he needs to stay side on, keep those feet moving and keep that upper body moving. And also, crucially for Fury, he needs to showboat a lot. Now I'm not so keen on him putting his hands behind his back, but he certainly needs to be calling Deontay Wilder names in the ring, sticking his tongue out, you know, putting his arms up to the crowd at the end of the rounds, all that kind of stuff. The reason being, it frustrates Deontay Wilder. Wilder is a very fiery character. In the first fight, Fury showboating, you could see, visibly frustrated Deontay Wilder. It made him angry because the crowd were into Fury showboating and Deontay was feeling a little red-faced, a little embarrassed by it and he wanted to make Tyson Fury pay for all that showboating. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think Tyson Fury should do the same thing this time around. Plenty of showboating. Now we're assuming, or I am, that Fury is going to be physically stronger in this fight and as such, you know, may have more energy, etc. Hopefully he's not too heavy. Hopefully he hasn't put on too much muscle. If he's able to move around like he did in the first fight, just with a bit more pep in his step, a bit more zip in his shots, then he stands a very good chance of winning. Getting the decision on the judges' scorecards this time, as long as he doesn't get complacent, as long as he doesn't stand in one place for too long, as long as he doesn't go in there looking for the knockout from early, then he's got a good chance. And also he needs to protect his eye and I'll come on to that in just a second. So that's it, people. <laughs> Those are my keys to victory for Tyson Fury, just more of the same. Now for Deontay Wilder, the keys to victory for him are to use his jab a lot more. Now he did use his jab quite well in the early rounds of the first fight. Deontay Wilder got an underrated jab and he doesn't get enough credit for the good work he did with that jab in the early rounds of the first fight. If you go watch it back, particularly the version which BT Sport have uploaded that has no commentary, go watch that version and look at how effective Deontay Wilder's jab is in the early going. So Wilder needs to stay calm, don't get goaded in by Tyson Fury showboating. Use his jab. As the old saying goes, you can't hook with a hooker, but you can jab with a jabber. Wilder can jab with Fury, no problem at all. Jab to the head, jab to the body, and just trust the process. Stick to jabbing. You see, sometimes Deontay Wilder will throw hardly any punches at all, and he'll just wait for the big right hand. He cannot afford to do that against Tyson Fury, at least not if Fury's boxing the way he was in the first fight. If Fury's coming at Wilder and trying to walk Wilder down, then Wilder actually can wait for the opportunity to land his big right hand. But if Fury's moving, Wilder can't afford to do that because the opportunity probably won't come. He has to be active with his jab, head and body, and he needs to target Tyson Fury's right eye, the eye that got cut in the Otto Wallin fight. Kind of like Lennox Lewis when he fought Gary Mason back in the days. Mason had suffered a detached retina earlier on in his career, and Lewis's trainer, John Davenport, he put an X on the head guards of Lewis's sparring partners during training camp, either in tape or with a marker. He put an X on their head guards right next to the eye and he got Lewis to target his sparring partner's eyes for the entire camp. So when he got in the ring with Gary Mason, Lewis's left jab was just zeroing in on Gary Mason's previously injured eye and it worked to treat. Gary Mason's eyes swole up and he suffered another detached retina and it effectively ended Gary Mason's career. He did have a few fights in America after that, but he never fought again in the UK, to, at least not to my recollection. And I think that was because he couldn't get licensed in the UK again because of the multiple detached retinas. So that's what Deontay Wilder needs to do is target Tyson Fury's eye, try reopen that cut. And if he concentrates on that, I think there's a good chance he'll be able to do it. And all of the opportunities to land his right hand will come off the back of him being committed and consistent with the jab. Not getting over anxious, not looking for the knockout, not going for Tyson Fury's feints. Just stick to the jab, stick to the jab, stick to the jab. Try and reopen that cut. Don't worry about Fury showboating. And if that cut reopens, it's going to be very difficult for Tyson Fury to win the fight from there on in. Fury's either going to try and continue boxing, but more defensively because of the fact that blood is running into his eye. And therefore, that's going to give Wilder a better chance of, you know, landing his shots and actually winning rounds at long range against Fury. Or Fury's going to gamble at that moment and think, you know what, I've got to end the fight, uh, come in and try and attack Wilder. And again, that's going to present opportunities for Wilder's right hand. So I think reopening Tyson Fury's cut is potentially a pivotal moment in this fight, could be, yeah? But even if he doesn't reopen the cut, Wilder, he still needs to concentrate on landing that jab. Because one of the things about Deontay Wilder over the years is that he's shown very good stamina. He's been able to drop people 
and stop people late in fights before. But in the first Fury fight, he was dog tired in the 12th round. That's the first time I've seen him that tired in a fight, you know, late on. But that was because he wasted so much energy, first of all, being mad, trying to knock Fury out early, but missing so many shots. Fury was ducking and diving, making Wilder miss all over the place. And that saps your energy. So if Wilder is more conservative, but active with his jab, but more conservative with the, with the right hand, I think he'll have a lot more left in the tank late on in the fight. So if it is close and he feels like he does need to step on the gas a little bit, he can step on the gas late rather than early. And of course, late on, there's more of a chance that there's enough damage done to Tyson Fury's eye that it could reopen again. So yeah, that's for me the key to victory or the keys to victory for Deontay Wilder. Also investing in Fury's body because if Fury is moving a lot, you want to jab to that body and throw the occasional right hand to the body as well. Fury's counters are not particularly devastating. I think Fury hits harder when he leads off, but when he's reacting to something you're doing with counters, from what I've seen of Tyson Fury and I've followed his career pretty much from the beginning, his counters are not usually devastating. So I think Deontay Wilder can afford to throw right hands to the body and jabs to the body and take the occasional counter back. I think he should be okay. So yeah, let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. Those are my keys to victory for both fighters. Fury, just more of the same. Wilder, just to use his jab a lot more and target Fury's eye. And yeah, let me know what you think people with something I'm out. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week covering a wide variety of controversial topics as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today. take on Fury or Wilder Fury 2 and what's your prediction? Uh, I think Fury's going to do what Fury does and that's what he's got to do. He's got to box the fight he boxed against Klitschko but I think Fury's, Wilder's going to be more reckless, take more chances and that'll help him but Fury's very awkward you know and I think I like what I'm seeing with Sugar Hill and Emmanuel Stewart uh, and uh, Andy Lee and the Emmanuel Stewart team um, and we don't know the truth about injuries or cuts or what goes on behind the scenes but um, I feel like they've run them ragged on the promotion like they weren't going to do a press conference then they've done one then they've done another the week after now they're still struggling on the ticket so they sent them both to the Super Bowl so a lot like it's breaking up a lot of camp um, and it's who deals with that better but a good fight looking forward to it and hopefully Fury gets a win who you picking? Fury Eddie, thank you for okay. your time. All right, mate. Cheers, Dan. Bob, what a pleasure to be able to sit down with you in your office on what is a huge fight week. How exciting is this one? Wilder Fury 2. Well, I, I'm really pumped. You understand, I'm an old guy, and so I look back uh, on... Uh, the history, what I remember of it, and what I was involved in, and I asked myself, what does this fight remind me of? And the closest thing I can come is back in 1971 when Muhammad Ali and Joe Fraser fought their first fight. Because look at the parallels between the two fights. You had the uh, paper champion, the interim heavyweight champion, Joe Fraser, who had gotten the title when Ali couldn't fight for those three and a half years. And you have Ali, the linear champion, because he never lost the fight in the ring, never lost the fight in the ring at that point, and yet they had stripped him of his title. Uh, now here, 
and, the, and they were two undefeated guys at the peak of their ability. Here we have the same thing. Uh, Fury and Wilder are both undefeated. Uh, one is the linear champion, that being Fury, who never lost his title in the ring, and the other being Wilder, who's clearly the WBC champion. And now they're fighting each other in their prime. And the similarities are eerily reminiscent of Ali Fraser. And I know you've picked out similarities specifically between Ali and your man at the moment, Tyson Fury as well. Well, that's true. I mean, I, I, I must say that Wilder is a much better spokesperson than Joe Fraser was. But, and I love Joe, but uh, Tyson Fury is the current addition uh, uh, of Muhammad Ali. Uh, he can connect with the public. Uh, he says outrageous things in a funny way. The only difference is that Ali used to talk in sound bites and Tyson Fury talks in paragraphs. Tyson Fury has become really popular as well here in America, hasn't he? What is that down to? Is that his personality? Is it his in-ring performance? Because he's been away for a long time. To become popular in America, they have to recognize you as an elite athlete. Now, he clearly showed that uh, with the first Wilder fight. A lot of people thought that he won the fight. It was called a draw. Uh, the, other, the next two fights where he fought you know, pretty good fighters from Europe. Uh, and through it all, he was an entertainer. Uh, the fight against Schwarz, when, after he knocked Schwarz out, when he sang uh, a song to his wife in the ring. I mean, his entrances, which are all his, are unbelievable. So yeah, he has developed a connection with the American public that is unique. Uh, and uh, what he's done so cleverly was to take part in the world WWE, the wrestling uh, 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 group uh, where he had a match and was exposed uh, to upward of 300, uh, I'm sorry, 3 million new fans in the United States. Now, Many of those people who are wrestling people and wouldn't buy a boxing match are going to buy it on pay-per-view because they now believe that Tyson Fury is one of them. Las Vegas is your home. It's becoming a home from home now for Tyson Fury as well. Even though he's not in Britain, he's in America, is this perhaps a home fight for Tyson Fury and more difficult for Deontay Wilder? Well, Wilder has fought a lot of his fights in Las Vegas. He is very, very popular. He's a very decent guy, and he speaks well. Uh, Fury has been adopted by a lot of people here in Las Vegas. Uh, but, you know, with the commission being the commission that it is, and all things being considered, I don't think there's an advantage for either guy. That's when, you know, the talk was, well, maybe we should have a Brit judge uh, to even things out. And Tyson and I had said the same thing. No, we don't want that. Let's just use American judges. I don't think either fighter has an advantage in that regard. The first fight was a draw, as you say. Many people thought Tyson won. Uh, Deontay Wilder thinks he won. Um, this is fight number two, so we're going to get a winner one way or another. Is there a clause in the contract for a third fight? Yes, there is. There's an automatic third fight with the winner getting 60% and the loser 40%, with the proviso that the loser can pull the plug and cancel the third fight. That's it. Simple. It's no nonsense. That's what it is. So as far as your sitting here today, you think we're going to see a trilogy? I would think so, yeah, but you never know. When, when Fury uh, knocks out 
Wilder in the early rounds. Maybe Wilder doesn't want any further part of Fury. You never know. So where does that leave the rest of the heavyweight division? Because in Britain, we've got not one, but two other heavyweights who are knocking on the door. We've got Anthony Joshua and talk of this unified title fight, which we all want to see. And also Dillian White, who's the mandatory challenger for the WBC. Well, Dylan White's a good fighter and, you know, he'll get his shot down the road. As far as Joshua is concerned, the only people that think that Joshua is an elite heavyweight are the Brits. He isn't. He isn't. Andy Ruiz is a good heavyweight, you know, but he's not a top-tier fighter. And any fighter that gets knocked out by Andy Ruiz is not an elite fighter, despite what Eddie Hearns keeps mouthing about. Does that make it then easier to convince either Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury to fight Anthony Joshua because he's so vulnerable? Well, first of all, there won't be an Anthony Joshua after June when he fights Pulev, and I mean that seriously. Uh, Andy Ruiz is an okay fighter. He doesn't compare with a Pulev, who's bigger, stronger, more mobile, and will be in shape. I mean, Andy Ruiz wasn't really in shape for the first fight, no less the second fight. So I think Pulev is going to beat Joshua, and then maybe we can keep talking about Dylan White, who is a really good fighter. It would make big money, though, wouldn't it? Anthony yeah, Joshua yeah. against either guy? Not if Andy and Joshua loses to Kubrick Pulev, it won't. And I'm telling you, that's going to happen. And Dylan White, then, you say he's going to get his shot down the line. How long does he have to wait? He's been waiting for two years already. Well, I, I, I really think that, uh, that uh, Dylan White, uh, if he keeps fighting and keeps winning, uh, should be next after that trilogy occurs. I think that would be appropriate. In other words, everybody knows it's a three-fight deal. Now, the loser may pull the plug, but then Dylan White should be next up. On the third fight, have you given any thought where that might be? You've done LA, you've done Vegas. Could it be somewhere completely different or in the States again? Well, you know, you never know. But, you know, what can be better than a fight in Las Vegas. I mean, let's be honest about it. I've done fights and been over to London and uh, Northern uh, England, Belfast. You know, you ain't gonna beat weather like this. I mean, this is a great, great place. Plus you have all the tourists, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of hotel rooms. So you wanna do a major fight, you do it in Las Vegas. Now, you'll do a good gate, big gates, in London and so forth. But again, it's hard to replace the US pay-per-view income uh, because if you move it to England or you do it in the Mideast and you send a signal back here, it's in the afternoon and you can't sell really sell pay-per-view here in the afternoon. Could you be tempted by the money on offer though by Saudi Arabia that counteracts that? Well, you know, again, Money talks, but you know, there's a lot of things to be considered before uh, one decides to do a fight in Saudi Arabia. Uh, you know, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I'm not saying Tyson Fury wouldn't do it. Uh, and Tyson Fury, as a matter of fact, performed in Saudi Arabia with the, uh, the wrestling, I think. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it and I'm putting politics aside completely because I'm not a politician. I don't think it's great for boxing to continuously take fights and put them in the Saudi or any place like that when the real fans for this heavyweight boxing are in the UK or the America. I think you know, we owe it to the fans, I think, to do fights, big heavyweight fights, as much as possible in those two places. Now, I don't begrudge Eddie Hearn for taking the money that he took to do the Joshua Ruiz rematch in Saudi. He made a good deal. But you can't keep going back to that well just because 
there's a place that's gushing money from the oil coming up from the ground. I, I just don't think, something about it really seems wrong to me. Once in a while, clearly, go for the money, that's fine. Don't go back there frequently. I mean, there was a talk that uh, Hearn, who promotes Joshua, was going to put the Pulev fight in Saudi Arabia. That would have made a tremendous mistake. So, you know, all credit to Joshua, who said, no, I want my next title fight, the one with Pulev, to be in the United Kingdom. I think that was right. Even though he might make a little less, I think that is the right position to take. And um, where is that fight going to take place? Do you know yet? Have you uh, the, the, the two, where the Pulev, uh, it's either going to take place in either one or two football stadia, either in Arsenal or uh, Tottenham. And they're great rivals as well, so that's quite nice. That's right, so Eddie is putting <laughs> one against the other, I guess, as to who'll be the, I mean, he's the devious fellow that Eddie heard. <laughs> You'll like you saying that, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Just finally then, on your man, uh, Tyson Fury that's involved this week here, how important is it, he's already the lineal champion, how important is it he gets his hands on a world title belt again? Well, I don't care about the world title belt. I want him to win and to go into the third fight with the 60% rather than the 40%. I mean, 60% is 50% better than 40%, so that's what I like. And how long before we see the trilogy fight? Is it going to be a year in the making? No, 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 no. It'll be before the, before the fall or the early. So certainly, this yeah, this year, certainly... Uh, uh, not later than September. Superb, can't wait. Brilliant, Bob. Brilliant. How has the kind of build up, the lead up to Tyson Fury compared to some of the other mega fights that you've been a part of here in Las Vegas? Well, nothing really compares to this because our partners. Uh, have been working so hard to let the public know about this fight. Want to shout out to PBC, been a great partner on this promotion, and also, of course, to Fox and ESPN. They have done a magnificent job uh, pre presenting this fight to the public because, let me tell you, boxing is a super sport and it deserves this kind of treatment. And it deserves superstars like Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. They've made themselves accessible to all the media, the, the look inside training camps, the way that the fans have been able to get to know both of these guys leading up to the rematch. The accessibility has been incredible. Both of these guys class acts when it comes to promoting a fight. Right. And you talk about the biggest heavyweight fights. Uh, the last one that compares to this took place before you were born, Christina. It was in 1971 when the great Muhammad Ali fought Joe Fraser. Look at the parallels between these two fights. Ali had never lost his title, but because of the unfair three and a half years that he couldn't fight because of the draft situation, they stripped his title from him. He was undefeated, still in his prime. Joe Fraser had taken the title in Ali's absence. He was also undefeated and also in his prime. Two undefeated fighters in their time. And hey, you know what? Almost 50 years later, we have the same situation. Fury won the title, and then because of his inactivity, they stripped him of the title, but he didn't lose the title in the ring. Deontay Wilder is the WBC champion. He's only knocked out on virtually every opponent that he's fought. And now these two undefeated guys, just like in 1971, are going to face each other, right? It's going to be a really a history, historic fight, not only in the heavyweight division, but for all of boxing.
of boxing education from the man, the myth, the legend, Bob Arum. And Bob, you've made the comparison. You promoted Muhammad Ali, and you've the, made the comparison not only to inside the ring, but outside of the ring, just the charisma that Tyson Fury has had. You see that connection there. It reminds you a lot of Muhammad Ali. Well, well again, Tyson Fury is a, a people person, and he communicates very well with the public. Unlike Ali, who talked in great sound bites. It was unbelievable sound bites. He could say really profound thoughts in just a few words. Tyson Fury goes on paragraph after paragraph, but they're equally effective. Now, I got a shout out to Deontay Wilder. He is a hell of a fighter. He's a tremendous spokesperson. And I told him and I told his people at the PBC, just like Tyson Fury, I got two guys, two guys who are great salesmen. They have sold this fight the way a fight should be sold. And we've heard about the main event, and we know that the anticipation and the buildup is there for Saturday night, but the pay-per-view undercard, getting a chance to see Emmanuel Navarrete defend his title for the fifth time. You got another pair of heavyweights right on the brink trying to get another shot at a world title opportunity with Washington and, and Martin. So, I mean, and then the opening bout, Daniel Lewis, and it's, it's a good undercard and a good mix of PBC and top-ranked talent. All right, this is what... Boxing can be when everybody cooperates to give the public a great, great event. We're looking forward to it. As Ray mentioned, select tickets are still available. Um, I think today we announced some closed circuit um, locations that if you're here in Las Vegas and you don't have a ticket to watch the fight inside the arena, you can, I think it's like $100 to watch it at various closed circuit locations. And Gabe Flores, you know, some really good talent on the under undercard as well. So get there early. And, and the... We have three three fights on the undercard before the pay-per-view, and PBC has three fights. And all six fights will be shown on ESPN and FS1. So that's great. Public can see those without charge. And then, let me tell you, it's a real, real uh, bargain to see the best heavyweight fight in 50 years and to see it on pay-per-view. Bob, the living legend. Let's give it up for Mr. Bob Arum, everybody. Bob, thank you so much. Thank you, honey. All right.